Welcome to First Laughs, a show about starting out, standing up. I'm Jason Crane. On this episode, doing stand-up in front of my parents. Welcome back to First Laughs. If you remember on the first episode, I played you stand-up from my very first set as a paid stand-up comedian. I was emceeing a show at Wisecrackers Comedy Club in State College, Pennsylvania. This show focuses on the second night. I did two shows on the second night, one at a different venue, still Wisecrackers, but at their other location on the other side of town. And then a second show at which my parents were present. More about that later. I'm going to start off by playing you the audio of my opening set from the second night, and these are mostly the same jokes as the night before. I'm just going to play them for you because I want you to hear what to me sounds like a pretty stark difference in my level of comfort with this material, even from the first night to the second night. Now, I don't think that necessarily <laughs> makes it all that much funnier. Um, I think it does about as well on night number two as it did on night number one. But I can hear in my voice, and if, if you've recently listened to episode number one, you might be able to hear too, that it just this stuff just feels more comfortable coming out of my mouth. And it I'm figuring out, you know, kind of how to navigate being there on stage. A little bit later in this show, I'm going to play you a bit that I improvised uh, during this same show, which is the first thing I've really just improvised on stage. Here, though, is the audio from that first set. It's about six minutes long. And I've taken out, you know, some of the stuff at the beginning that, you know, Who's here for the first time? By round of applause and all those things. So we're just starting where the jokes start. There's a thing I, I want to mention. I feel like I should just get it out of the way now. Uh, when I stand straight on like this, it's not quite as <coughs> easy to tell. But uh, I've gained quite a bit of weight in the last several weeks. If I give you one of these here, you can kind of... <laughs> right? I think... I mean, it's due in a couple months. And I think then I'll probably lose a lot of the pressure, I hope. I mention this because uh, I, I love junk food. Like, I mean... I mean love. Like, I've, I've never had a, a relationship with a human being like my relationship with junk food. <laughs> I, I walk home uh, every day, and I used to walk home, and this was great, past one of those grocery stores with the self-checkout lanes, right? Like, Giant has those around here, maybe other places, but Giant is where I go, where you have a computer that will, that will check out your groceries for you so that no human being has to see what you purchase. Which is awesome for me because I'm always buying crap. When I go up to the checkout computer, I'm usually carrying like a can of Pringles, a package of Oreos, a two liter bottle of root beer, and a, like a head of broccoli. <laughs> right? Like who is the head of broccoli for? It's not an artificial intelligence, right? It's not Hal from 2001. It's essentially a calculator. It's not judging my purchases at all. But. Unfortunately, I got a different job, and now when I walk home, I don't go past the snazzy, futuristic grocery store. Now, I just walk past a CVS and a convenience store. And unfortunately, those places have human beings who work in them. So now, when I go in, I have a little system. If I go into the CVS near my house, and I see that the same guy is working today who was working yesterday, I will go next door to the convenience store. As if what that guy does when I walk in is like check off the thing on his little tally sheet. Oh, here comes Fat Boy again, get some more Pringles. <laughs> right? He doesn't even know that I'm there. Last week, though, there was a, an enormous tragedy at my CBS. Um, 
there was a big tragedy. They hired an attractive woman to work at my CVS. <laughs> and you can imagine if I was buying a decoy head of broccoli for the computer, that I can barely handle going up to the counter, you know, with my bag of diabetes and a Coke to wash it down, you know, to this attractive 20-something woman. I actually did this, I did this just this past weekend, and I'm, well, I'll just tell you. I brought up my stuff up to the counter, I brought a bag of Doritos and a vanilla Coke, because they don't have root beer at the CVS. I don't know what that bullshit's about. They don't ever appear to see me. So I brought my, my Doritos, my, can, my uh, bottle of Coke up there, and I said to her, my teenage sons are at my house. And they, right? And they asked me to bring snack food home. Now this would be a better joke if I didn't have kids. I do actually have kids. They're not teenagers, though, and they did not ask for Doritos and Coke. But I would do it again. I will do it again, absolutely, for sure. I will throw my kids under the snack bus for the sake of the opinion of this 22-year-old woman because, and everybody in here who is a straight male knows this, because we're horrible and every woman that you encounter is a potential date, right? So she's, you know, she's like some 22-year-old. She's probably like a, a food sciences major at the university. She's doing a project on the effect of too much junk food consumption on depressed 41-year-old divorced fathers of two, right? So I, I'm nothing but a cautionary tale for the book that she's someday gonna write. But in my eyes, we're like one swell of the string section away from the end of a romantic comedy. So I'm trying, you know, so I have to, I have to embarrass children so that she'll think better of me. I'm a horrible person and I admit that. The thing is, I don't, I mean, it's not like I want to look the way I look or to eat all the crap that I eat. I mean, I was a vegan for four years. All right, I'm guessing that maybe a lot of people are not familiar with what a vegan is. It's like, um, they're like vegetarians, but way more obnoxious. They don't, they don't eat or use any animal products at all. They're like, they're essentially like the Jehovah's Witnesses of the vegetarian. <laughs> you definitely do not want to let one in your house, especially not at dinner time. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm not saying that I disagree with the principles of veganism. I don't, I agree with them. And I might even be a vegan again someday. I'm just saying that more people would consider becoming vegan if fewer people ever had to talk to one. <laughs> so anyway, I was a vegan for four years, right? So that means there's no meat, there's no dairy. I mean, you're, you're essentially down to plants at that point. That is what veganism is. You're down, I mean, a lot of things are plants, right? But you're essentially down to plants at that point. So four years, I gained 30 pounds in those four, how, right, yes, somebody over here who understands science is laughing, how does that even happen? I mean, have you ever seen an obese deer? There must be some hundreds in here, right? I mean, know deer out in the woods, just 500 pounds sitting there watching the game. But it turns out, and this is, uh, this is the hell of it, it turns out that a lot of the crap that I like is vegan. Pringles are vegan. Jesus. Oreos are vegan. Can I get an amen? Amen. Yes, they are. That's right. Most bread products are vegan. Yes, exactly right. Thank you. Pasta is vegan. Oh, thank you, baby Jesus. Pasta is vegan. Rice is vegan. And all that stuff is vegan. And it turns out, and I looked this up, it turns out that if you have a diet that's nothing but carbs and coke, you'll probably gain some pounds. <laughs> I know! I know I was as shocked as you are. Uh, yeah, you know, do you 
guys have you've seen, certainly if anybody's near my age, you've all seen the food pyramid, right? Well, according to my doctor, uh, if your food pyramid is upside down and buried point first in the ground, maybe you should reconsider your diet. Look, uh, that is my time tonight. I want to remind you to, uh, to tip heavily, but first I want to remind you to laugh even more heavily. Your featured comic is on the way. He is super, super funny. This guy was voted funniest comic in New England. He recently did uh, the very prestigious Gotham Comedy Live, which is an awesome show. Would you please give an enormous Wisecrackers and State College welcome to the very funny John Romanoff. Let here at John Romanoff. As you know, uh, the duty of the MC is to announce the acts and then to come up, you know, in between the acts and sometimes to do a few minutes and sometimes not to do a few minutes of jokes, in other words. Uh, in this case, as in the previous night, the headliner had asked me to do a few minutes in between the acts. And while sitting in the audience watching the featured comedian, John Romanoff, I had noticed that the Wisecrackers sign on the back of the stage had Wisecrackers spelled as two words. And so when I got up on stage, I had some stuff prepared, but first, I improvised this. I've been sitting out there looking up at this, and there's an unfortunate typo in this sign, which is that wisecrackers, as they mean it, is a compound word. It's one word. This is smart white people. <laughs> this would have been a way more interesting story in the Bible. Right? The three wise crackers show up in the manger. Ah, Jesus! That's a real cute baby right there, is what that is. Wise crackers. I brought you some beer, and this wise cracker right here brought you some summer sausage. Bubba brought you a gun. Praise the Lord. That makes me very happy. The one, there's a second club at Celebration Hall, and it's one word there. So I can't do this joke. Yet. This is a, I've never done this joke before, because we know I'm now at like minute 12 of my comedy career. Thank you, Wisecrackers, for the material. And then from there, I went into the things that I had prepared, the joke about Star Wars and that kind of thing. It was really fun improvising and also uh, doing a, a voice on stage. Uh, it was it was exciting. And to be honest, it got some of the best response of anything I did that night. And again, I come back to this idea of um, my strengths seeming to be reacting to things in the moment. And I think that kind of energy comes across. I mean, I think when you're when you're there really present in what's happening, that gets communicated to the audience. Which is interesting because actually, you know, the two comics I was performing with, they were performing the same sets each night, essentially, uh, you know, mostly the same wording and the same jokes, and they were really, really doing well. And that's that's another kind of success to have in a place that I would like to get to, where you know the material well enough and you've got it timed well enough, and obviously it's it's well written, um, that you're that you're able to draw that reaction from the audience that you that you want through the skillful delivery of the same material night after night. So now we move on to the final show of that weekend. My parents and my sister and my parents' best friends and uh, so several of my other friends all came to this show. Uh, my parents wanted, my sister wanted to be there to support me on my, my first weekend as a stand-up comic. So I opened, I went into the same material about snacks and all that stuff, but I opened... Uh, with a couple minutes of jokes based on the presence of my, my parents and my sister. And here's what that sounded like. 
All the stuff I'm going to say now won't be all that funny, but later when I do the raffle, I'm going to kill. I just want to tell you. <laughs> Last night, I got way more laughs during the raffle than during any of the material that I wrote and rehearsed, which I think is a sign. Letterman next week, I'm thinking, is a sign. <laughs> I can hear my boss laughing. She's in the room. So there goes my boss set. <laughs> So uh, by round of applause, how many people are with us for the first time tonight? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, my friend Kathy right in the front row raised her hand. Raised her hand, the product of a Massachusetts education right there, folks. By round of applause, me! Me! I'm clapping! That's great. So how many folks have been to a Wisecracker show before? Nice. Nice, I see the cast of Pimp My Ride back here have been here before, that's awesome. Great that they're here. You need any work done on your car, maybe getting some neon or the windows tinted, just see my friend over at the table there. It's great that you're here. Actually, uh, my parents are here tonight. My parents are sitting right here at the very front table. Give my, give my parents a round of applause. They're the cause of most of this material, so you think they should please get clapped for. Actually, if I'm going to talk about my parents, I should probably get in a position that I'm more used to when I talk about my parents. You just have to imagine this is a couch, though. <sighs> well, Doc, it all started when I was about six years old. No, I kid. Although, you can see I'm so overweight and out of shape. It's hard. I'm winded. He's standing up from that joke. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to have to sit down for the rest of my set. Speaking of my therapist, my therapist is a very nice man. He sends my parents flowers every Christmas, which I think is really sweet. A little thank you card. And a picture of the boat that he bought with all the money he made off me. My half-sister is also here. I mentioned half-sister because she's just a torso. She's right here up in the front, balanced precariously on this seat. The other day, uh, my mom and I were talking about... The, uh, the amount of cancer that we've had in our family, which is a good topic for a comedy show, right? Cancer, let's hear it for cancer. No cancer fans? We've had it, thank you, always one cancer supporter in the crowd, always happy to see that, one person who's looking for the human race to end. We've had a ton of cancer in our family, actually, and when I was a kid, I said that those Three Mile Island vacations were cheap but not a good idea. <laughs> Nobody listened to me. There's so few of us left now that when we get together for a family reunion, everybody just brings a list of their stuff and a blank will, and we all just pass them around and <laughs> fill them out. I'm getting an easy chair, I think. <laughs> and from there, you know, into the standard stuff. This was definitely the hardest room. It was the smallest crowd because the weather was horrible that night. And, uh, you know, it's just it's more challenging. It seems like... And again, this is early days for me, but it kind of feels like there's a critical mass of people where if the room is large enough, if the crowd is large enough, it's kind of easier to get enough people laughing that the people around them will also laugh. Where if it's small, you know, it's the same thing when someone's doing a presentation at the end, they say any questions and no one wants to be the first person to raise their hand. So nobody asks any questions. And it feels like in a small room, it's harder to pull laughter out of people, too. Uh, you know, for that for that same reason. It's just people are, I think, more self-conscious about being the person laughing. It was super fun. It just added another level of challenge. It was also interesting because I knew so many people in the room. At the previous shows, I had known one person maybe or two people. 
But at this show, I knew, you know, 10 or 11 people um, out of about 50 people who were there. So uh, that added an interesting dimension, too, as did then listening to two comedians, you know, who made a lot of foul mouthed jokes and listening to them while sitting next to my mom and dad, which was also interesting. Coming up on next week's show, you'll hear audio from uh, a show that I am doing at a benefit for uh, a local animal shelter, and I've written a bunch of cat-specific stuff for that. And then uh, a sold-out nighttime show at Wisecrackers uh, at the Ramada Inn. So that'll be all coming up next week. Uh, If you have things you would like to hear, please drop me a line, jason at firstlaughs.com. And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane. And tell your friends about First Laughs. Thanks for listening to First Laughs, the show about starting out, standing up. I'm Jason Crane. Talk to you next week.